And I think this is a great time to ratchet up the harvesters. I believe the harvest is getting ripe. I've noticed that in the nations. I've noticed it where I've been going. People are, got ripe while they were locked down in their little spiritual greenhouse. <laughs> when a plant's in a greenhouse, it can't go anywhere. It's just stuck, ripening, and then it gets transplanted. I think we're in transition, and God's doing something. Human life is full of transition. Transi- you're, always in, you're sitting in a nice chair today, but you're in transition, admit it. We're all going through some kind of transition. There's different kinds of transitions that amounts to some kind of shift or change in our life. Moving, geographic moves are a big transition. Job changes, getting married, getting a promotion, starting a new business. All these things bring transition. Some of you kids just got out of school. Woohoo! Summer's here. We're going to camp. That's a nice transition. There's, those are what we call positive transitions, right? There's also negative transitions. Tough things we have to embrace. Death, retirement, divorce, negative things. We have to embrace all kinds of transitions, whether negative or positive. Here's the deal. They leave us with feelings. We're a feely people. God made us to feel. God feels. Jesus was touched with the feelings of our infirmities. And we feel things in transition. We feel fear and apprehension and anxiety and indecision. And these things kind of linger even when, the, even when the, the season's over. And we all go through seasons. To everything there's a season. It's good old Ecclesiastes chapter 3 verse 1. To everything. Say everything. Everything, everything there's a season. That's a limited amount of time that we don't always know when it's going to start, when it's going to end. But here's the deal. God says there will be a beginning and an end to a season. I think we're coming out of a season. So when we're coming out of a season, we have to look back sometimes and learn from where we came from. What did we just come out of? I think the church world is transitioning into a new reality. Hey, Zoom is here to stay. It's just here. And I love it. I mean, I started out as a baby Zoomer. Now, I am what I would call a zoomologist. I can do it, push the buttons, I got it, and I love it. And I, I can do things I never could do before. In a week's time, I can be in different nations and different people groups and all that. I like all that. We're in transition, but God knows what's going on. God was not surprised by a global pandemic. He's done them before. He knows how to get us through. Here's what Isaiah 46.10 says. And this blows my mind. If there's one verse in the Bible that always blows my mind, it's Isaiah 46, verse 10. Declaring, the prophet said, the end from the beginning. Only God can do that. And from ancient times, things that are not yet done, saying, my counsel shall stand, and I will do all my pleasure. That's God's view of every generation. That's God's view of your world today. That's God's view of Father's Day all over the globe. I will do all my pleasure. In Revelation 1, Jesus says, I'm the Alpha and the Omega. That means I'm the beginning and I'm the end. And John says this in chapter 18, verse 4. Jesus, therefore, knowing all things that would come upon him, knowing all things that would come, Jesus wasn't shocked by the way he was treated by Roman soldiers, he wasn't shocked by Judas' betrayal. He wasn't shocked by any of it. it. He knew. And we have the same Holy Spirit. God wants us to know things about how he wants us to conduct our lives and do according to all his pleasure. Do according to his will. So let's talk about this for a little bit and uh, look at some characters in the Bible. And let's pick on them. Isn't that good? God gave us amazing characters, real humans. Dads, lots of dads in the Bible. 
Lots of dads that were not perfect. Can I have an amen? amen? Come on, all you, join the Imperfect Fathers Club. I'm in. I'm one of the chief like Paul. I'm chief of sinners. I'm chief of the imperfect dads. But you know what? We learn something and we learn particularly how they came through transitions that God took them through. You know, you don't sign up for a transition. You ever start your morning, good morning, Lord. Praise God. It's great to be alive today. God, please bring a fresh transition in my life. Bring challenges, changes. God, bring the unexpected in my life. We don't really pray that way, but you have to kind of have that reserved in the back of your mind. Like, I don't know what's going to totally happen today, but I'm trusting Jesus. Think of Abraham for a minute. We're going to go to Genesis chapter 12. Abraham went through a major transition in his life when he was old. Older than me, believe it or not. And I'm old. I'm getting there. But uh, he was challenged by God at 75 to leave his surroundings, his familiarity, his tribe, his clan, everything. Genesis 12, verse 1, now the Lord said to Abram, get out of your country. I like America. I love traveling to the nations. I love coming home. I really do. And someone asked me, the other day, if you could live in another country, where would you live? I go, I don't want to live in another country. I like where I live. I'm really grateful. But he says, get out of your country and from your family and from your father's house to a land that I'm going to show you. Um, and when are you going to show me? What time? What time are you texting? How, when do I know? You won't know. Just get going. It's like, gosh, I don't like this. When the transition is God-initiated, in this case in Abram's life, God is good at sending confirmation. God will send reassurance. Watch what he says in the next two verses. Genesis 12, 2 and 3. I'm going to make you a great nation. I'm going to bless you and make your name great and you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you and I will curse those that curse you. And in you, all the families of the earth shall be blessed. Talk about a fathering responsibility. Oh, talk about pressure. In you, all the families of the earth will be blessed. Dad, Father Abraham had met. Come on. I won't make you stand up and do that. We're going to do that at camp. All you guys get ready? Like walking around going like this. Father Abraham. What happened at camp? I don't know. This Father Abraham thing got into Clem and I don't know what happened. But he, he's Father Abraham. Talk about Father's Day. Father Abraham. And these reassurances that kept coming from God in spite of all of his challenges. He had all kinds of challenges. And he was going through all this transition. And he says, I promise you, I'm going to bless you wherever you go. So he didn't have to fight it in prayer. Abraham cooperated with God. He left his country. He left his family. He left all kinds of things. Now there was one maybe little mistake if we could say, well, if Abe could do it over, what would he probably do? Maybe not take Lot with him. Maybe not do the Lot thing. He could have learned something there. Possible mistake. Genesis chapter 12 verse 4. So Abram departed as the Lord had spoken to him and Lot went with him. Uh, don't leave me. <laughs> Lot went with him and Abram was 75 years old when he departed from Haran. Taking Lot with him probably wasn't the best plan. Probably not the best way to carry out the design of God. All kinds of challenges came. During a time of transition, listen to me. You have to evaluate and seek God regarding the people and the things that need to go with you. Help me out, youth. Say amen. We're going to condition the youth. Just say amen no matter what I say. Just say amen. That's good. What did he say? I don't understand it, but we just say Amen. When you move into a new season of life, when God brings you out of a wilderness situation and you're in transition, you have to evaluate who's coming and who's not. 
what am I taking? What am I leaving behind? Transition time is a time of letting go. We let go of things. You have to let go of some old baggage, some old ways. You let go of some relationships maybe. Why? God always challenges us to embrace the future. Abraham had to let go of some stuff so he could embrace his destiny. You're going to be the father of a great nation. So the wilderness is that in-between place before you fully settle into your new promised land. It's that in-between place. And for me, and the way I evaluated COVID in my season, it was like this in-between place. We'd never been there before. When the children of Israel went into the, the wilderness, they'd never been there before. They're constantly evaluating the past based on their current, and they just had a hard time seeing the future. We have the Holy Spirit. Jesus said he'll show you things to come. We have the Holy Spirit. We can say, God, help me see the future. For the children of Israel, (laughs) when they got into the wilderness, all it did was stir up a desire to go backwards. We want to go back. I don't like this place. I heard that a lot over the last couple of years. I don't know about y'all, but all the churches I went to, can we just go back to the way it was? Just go back. We just want to go back. Just want to go back. Exodus 16, verse 3. And the children of Israel said to them, Oh, that we had died by the hand of the Lord in the land of Egypt. When we sat by the, oh, the pots of elk meat. I'm sure it was elk meat. <laughs> and we ate bread to the full. For you brought us out of this wilderness to kill us probably. This whole assembly with hunger. In your transition, you have to remember that this in-between place is not the destination. It's the tyranny of the familiar. I just want to go back. But that's not where God's taking us. God's not taking us back, church. We're not going back. We're going into new territory. God's opening up new things in the earth in spite of persecution, in spite of economic you know, tension and prices soaring and recession and whatever's going on in our world. God's taken the church somewhere. We're heading toward the finish. If I could just say, what's the big picture? We're still going toward the finish. God didn't change his mind. God didn't rewrite the book of Revelation. Said, I'm taking my church to the ultimate finish. One with Christ. We'll be there someday. There's going to be a finishing generation on the earth. Sometimes, somewhere, they could be sitting in this room. They could be going up to the mountains with us this week. That could be the finishing generation. We don't know. But like the children of Israel, we're all in transition. There's new people coming. There's new territories to be taken. You can't, we can't just organize our lives and organize our church by recapturing the old. We have to say, God, what's, what's next? What's new? That's called playing offense. Come on. The church for so long has played defense. You know, the enemy does something. We go, ah, we react. We have a prayer meeting. I don't know. We don't get in the corner with a box of cleanest. <laughs> Wake me up and when this is over, it's like, no, we're playing offense. We win. And so here's some lessons. Here's three lessons we need to learn to go through the transition. This is what's going to get you through transition. And we're all in transition of some kind. And we learn it from the children of Israel, from God's own kids. Father, Father's Day. Father's going to teach us, his 2022 kids, how he handled his... Israelite, Egyptian slave kids. <laughs> you think you had it bad. Go back and be, go back to Israel in the days of being captured in Egypt for 400 years. We got it a lot better because we have iPhones. All right, so. I don't know if they had internet yet, but okay. So here we go. Don't miss this. 
you only get to go through these kinds of seasons once or twice in a lifetime. These are the stories we'll tell future kids and even grandkids. I remember the pandemic of 2020. We're going to remember these stories, but you know what? You only get a few of these opportunities in your life or in your ministry or in your church. And so we're going to learn lessons from a church of um, a couple of million and apply it to our church of a few hundred. So we go to the book of Numbers and we see these lessons. Number one, it's the lesson of aligning our hearts. Don't miss this. Aligning our hearts. This deals with the culture of the church. And I'm talking about church, but you can apply this to your family. It's Father's Day. The culture of your home. Culture of your business. If you have a business, it's the culture of your business. We have to continually align our hearts because the enemy is the master of bringing disalignment, disagreement, discord. So Numbers chapter 11. Watch this little scenario. And look at yourself this morning, dad, as a leader. You're leading your home, you're leading marriage, you're leading something. We're all leaders of some kind. If you're in third grade, you're leading a second grader. Come on, we're leading somebody. You go to the playground, you find the leader. This is the culture of the church. Watch. Then Moses heard the people weeping through their families, everyone at the door of his tent, and the anger of the Lord was greatly aroused. Moses also was displeased. So Moses said to the Lord, why have you afflicted your servant? And why have I not found favor in your sight that you have laid the burden of all these people on me? This is a pastoral thing. All right, JR. JR, get JR some Kleenex, please. He's, you're all. This is true, though, sometimes. Come on, this is, happens in the family. Come on, dads. It's like, honey, why do we have so many kids? I don't know. What were we thinking? It's like sometimes you just go, why, why, why do I have to. Why me? What, did I conceive all these people? Did I beget them? That you should say to me, carry them in your bosom as a guardian carries a nursing child to the land which you swore to their fathers. Where am I supposed to get more elk meat to give out all these people? I don't know why elk meat just coming in my mind today. I think. Do you have any elk meat at the house? Maybe we get some. Okay. Um, give us meat that we may eat. I'm not able to bear all these people alone because the burden is too heavy for me. Listen, I've been traveling enough around the nation and around some other nations over the last... There's, there's a heavy burden on pastoral teams and elders. I mean, it's been a season like no other in my lifetime. And there's a heaviness. There's a weight. There's a, there's a 50-pound anvil that all pastors got put in their hands two years ago. And then it was like, good luck. What do I do with all this weight? Just carry it and keep doing your job. It's like, ah... I'm not able to bear with all these people alone. The burden is too heavy for me. Verse 15. If you treat me like this, please kill me here and now. I just want to go to heaven. (laughs) I've had those thoughts. Never mind. I have found favor in your sight. If I have, then do not let me see my wretchedness. So the Lord said to Moses, gather to me 70 men of the elders of Israel, who you know to be the elders of the people and officers over them and bring them to the tabernacle of meeting that they may stand there with you. It's not a good time to be alone, church. I'm glad you're together. I laud and applaud the wisdom of the elders to say, let's take the summer and get together. Come on, give it up for your elders. And that's a good plan. That's a good plan. Well, yeah, they ran it by Brian and I and my pastor. We said, yeah, that's probably a good idea. We've been scattered. We've been isolated. It's like, come on, this summer, stay together. It's not good to be alone. Now watch this. What's going to happen then? In this community time, in this time where you're rebuilding, what's the word you're using? Refresh? Recharge! In this time of recharging, watch. Where are you going to get your charge from? Watch verse 17. 
Here's what God says. You get everybody together, get some elders together, get some people to help you carry the load. Watch. Then I will come down and I'm going to talk with you there and I will take up the spirit that is on you and I'll put the same upon them and they shall bear the burden of the people with you that you may not bear it yourself alone. I know enough pastors in various sizes of churches around the ones that have struggled the most in the last two years were the ones that were the most alone. Smaller churches didn't have a staff. Maybe had a part-time secretary. Didn't have a big, a big team. You are blessed, Mount Helena. You have a staff. You have some good elders. You have some leaders here. And God wants you to recharge by the Spirit of God. God said, I will come. You get together. I will come. And I'm going to talk with you. And I'm going to take the Spirit that's on you. And he's talking to Moses, the leader. This is Moses Quigley right here. We'll use him as an example today. Mo, I'm going to put the Spirit on you, on them. We're all going to get a drink today. We're going to get a drink of the Spirit that's on the leaders here. And God wants to distribute it into the body. It's all about distribution. Isn't it crazy in a world living in a time of supply chain crisis? God wants us to distribute His Spirit. I'm just going to give you a little peek into tomorrow night. Youth, you can cheat. Don't tell the other youth when you get up there what's going to happen tomorrow night. Tomorrow night we're going to talk about the baptism of the Holy Spirit. I can't wait. I cannot wait. Why? We're going to distribute the Holy Spirit into those kids. Because <laughs> without Him, come on somebody, without Him, 40 years ago this week, I got baptized in the Holy Spirit and shared in Wyoming of all places. That's why I love to keep coming out west. It reminds me of my... Changed my life. Our theme this week at campus, interfacing with God. You can't interface with God. You can't have this without the Holy Spirit. So this is what God wants. Distribution of the Spirit. I'm going to take it, put it on you, put it on the elders, put it in the whole church, get it out in the community of Helena, Montana. Get it out in the community. And they're learning what they needed to be a successful family, to be a successful nation. The spirit that was on Moses had to get on the whole team. And I'm not just talking about eldership team or staff. I'm talking about y'all, as we say in North Carolina. It's all y'all. You are the team. You're the the Mount Helena team expression of Team Jesus right here in Helena to take the spirit of God out into your community. One of the things that COVID did, it revealed something I call culture gaps. Yeah. Yeah. Culture gaps. Leaders carry the seed and a spirit of what God wants. It's what God wants to grow in them. It's a seed. And the spirit of the leader has to be on the spirit of the people. But one thing COVID revealed was culture gaps. What is culture? Culture is powerful. There's an old saying, Peter Drucker came up with it and others have quoted it. Culture eats vision for breakfast. Culture is powerful. It's more powerful than vision. You can have vision, 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 but the culture is what actually determines the behavior of the people. Let me define culture. Culture is a collection of values and expectations and practices. Values, expectations is what should happen. And practices that guide and inform the actions of a group or a team. So every sports team builds a culture. Businesses build a culture. You go to Starbucks, before you ever sip your first sip of coffee, you've tasted the culture of a Starbucks. They are purposeful and intentional about building a culture. The type of music they play, the atmosphere, the tone, the colors, the, everything is about culture. Every church has a culture. 
before you ever hear a sermon at any church, you've already tasted their culture. That's why we work hard at having a, a fit team, a greeters. We want a culture of what? Generosity and friendliness and happy. You know, we say, we love you. We want to reach people. We want to come on. You build a culture within your house. Every house. Come on. Every house. Every mom, dad, with single parent, whatever. I remember going to grandma and grandpa's house. What do you remember about grandma and grandpa's house? Wow, grandma's fried chicken. Yeah, besides the chicken, the culture. There was something about the culture. There was this generosity, or as one of my friends says, when you come to grandpa's house, there's only one rule. There are no rules. Come on, all your granddads, come on, say amen, that's right. No, it's like there's a culture you build in every home. So, COVID didn't create culture. It revealed it. And it revealed the gaps that we might have. So, if you remember in Exodus 18, this is similar here. In Exodus 18, Moses was burned out. He was trying to do all the counseling, do all the appointments, trying to run the whole nation. And so his father-in-law came and said, Jethro, you need a structural change. Structural changes are good. Sometimes in the church we go, ah, it's not very spiritual. You know, structural changes. Can I tell you something? They are spiritual. Without structure, come on, mom and dad, without structure in your home, it ruins the spirit of the home. Without structure in the church, we can't have the spirit move. So there are structural things we need. So Jethro encourages Moses to raise up leaders and gave him a cultural and a structural shift. Shared responsibility. That's what God wants in his family. That's what you need in your house. Numbers 11 is a cultural impartation. Exodus was a structural shift This is now a DNA shift. He's changing now the culture of the nation of Israel. It wasn't just about strategic organizational shift. He had to put a seed of the vision in every house. So here at Mount Helena, every every pastor, every elder, every leader, some of your leaders, some of the leaders, God bless them, are back leading right now, leading your kids, serving. They were here early this morning, praying, getting things all ready. They have to carry the spirit of the house. Not just a job title. Carry the vision of the house. They create culture. If you're a leader in this house, you're creating the culture. And there's something that goes with that. With that DNA impartation. What makes Mount Helena different from all other churches? And God loves variety. One of my dear brothers, Charlie, came in this morning from the Assembly of God and prayed for me. He's my brother. He texted me out. He's from a different house, but you know what? Still kingdom man, my brother. They got a different culture. They're reaching different people. But COVID, what it did is it it locked us down, isolated us, and suddenly revealed some cultural gaps. What it revealed was, are, are you really carrying the spirit of the house? When you leave today, you carry the spirit of this house with you. You leave the room, but you carry the spirit. You carry the DNA of your leaders. It's all about culture. We're high on vision. I love vision. Grace Church, Chapel Hill, reaching people, building lives. Four words. That's all you hear. We got it on our walls. We have it everywhere. I love your building community. Same thing. Living the mission. This is our vision. Vision is great. Culture is bigger. Is the spirit of this house on you? That's what every dad wants. Dad wants to build a culture in his home and get it into his kids generational transfer. God's totally in a 
transferring to the generations. It's so good to see some young families in here and see some babies. And this is what Mount Helen has been doing for years, decades, building generationally. Right, Jay, Nita, you got generations in this house now. Isn't that cool? See what God's been doing, building generations here. So, for that church to continue in the wilderness, culture, and the spiritual culture was critical. Why? God knew what was coming. Say, God knows what's coming. That was worth the whole price of admission. God knows what's coming. God knows where he wanted to take these people. God knew they would have to begin fighting the enemy before they ever even got to the promised land. Some of them think, well, by the time we get to the promised land, we'll have our act together and we can really fight the enemy. It doesn't work that way. God's training us right now. They started fighting the enemy before they got to the promised land. That's why Moses' spirit that God gave Moses on them was critical. They had to have the same fighting spirit. You know, in an army, in the military, you all got to be having the same military tactics. You can't, you can't run off and go off script and say, well, I'm just going to go over there and shoot my gun over the enemy from that side. Good luck. Go alone. No, you want to be together. Every leader, every staff member is called to have one voice, one spirit, one heart, one vision. It's oneness. That's why I love what you're doing this summer. You're coming together, Mount Helena. Coming together, one heart, one spirit, recharging. So you walk with this. So the number one lesson of aligning culture in your church is aligning your hearts. Number two, you have to align your attitude. Come on. We've all had attitude situations, over the, especially the last few years. Man, I had some bad attitudes rising up in me, and it happens, right? This whole lesson that he was teaching Moses and the children of Israel of adjusting your attitude. And by the way, if you're a member of Mount Helena, you're on the team. Sorry, you're on the team. How many still need your t-shirt? Okay, we'll get your t-shirt afterward. You're on the team. You got the shirt, okay? So watch what happens. Here, this happens in Numbers 11. Now, Numbers 12... So I'm going to put my spirit on Moses and the same spirit on Moses. I'm going to put it on the whole team. So the whole team's going to get the oneness of spirit and unity and vision. We're going to go. And then there's these two kids, <clears throat> the older brother and the older sister. Thank God for families. Come on, somebody. Thank God for siblings. It's Father's Day, but you know, we have siblings too sometimes. And so here, Miriam and Aaron rise up and oppose little brother. We used to change your diapers and we used to wipe your nose, you little snot-nosed kid. Who do you think you are? Next thing you know, he's being criticized. There's a confrontation. Miriam says, does God only speak through you, Moses? And all these little barbs, right? Voices of opposition. Oh, it's unreal. You have to watch your attitude in a transition. Because, oh, I'll tell you what, we all have flesh. Come on. We have flesh. You have to deal with your attitude. And how do you know? How do you know someone's attitude? Just listen to what they say. Your language reveals what's in your heart. And that's biblical. Out of the abundance of the heart, mouth speaks. So evidently there was some stuff going on in Moses' own family. Do we blame Moses' dad? Sometimes we feel like Father's Day is the day we blame. Today's not a day of blaming. Today's a day of honoring that God's still in control. Even when you got a dysfunctional family like Moses was in, right? He's got dysfunction going on. His older brother and sister are just ripping on him and then comes chapter 13. So chapter 13, we're progressing. God just doesn't give up. He goes, keep going, Mo, keep going, Mo, keep going, Mo. So he goes, chapter 13, Moses sends 12 spies on this exploration mission. Ten come back with a bad report. Two come back with a good report. What's up with that? They're all on the same team. They're all wearing team Moses, right? We're team Moses. 
go guys, go, you 12 guys, go spout the land. They come back, ah, we can't do it. It's terrible. Watch this. Attitude. Watch the attitude in Numbers 13. I'm just going to read it 30 through 33. Then Caleb quieted the people before Moses and said, let us go up at once and take possession. We're able to do it. We're able to overcome it. But the men who had gone up with him said, mm, we're not really able to go up against the people. I mean, they're stronger than we are. And they gave the children of Israel a bad report of the land of which they spied out. And they said, the land through which we've gone is spies. It's a land that devours its inhabitants. And all the people with whom we saw in it are men of great stature. There we saw giants. The descendants of Anak came from the giants. And we were like grasshoppers in our own sight. And so we were in their sight. We can't do it. There's no way, Jose. It's all about attitude. How could the same team go and have differences of opinion. It's all about attitude. When you're in transition, your attitude is critical. It'll spread too. That, that negative attitude kind of spread through the camp. It spreads in an organization. It spreads in a team. That's why coaches, some of the best coaches weren't the best players. They're the best ones at discerning an attitude creeping into the team. And they call it timeout. Timeout, timeout, timeout. What? This is... We're not going in the right direction with your attitude. Change your attitude, right? The result was the ten naysayers spread attitude throughout the whole camp. We're not going to have that at youth camp, by the way. Say, I'm going to have a good attitude. All young people say, I'm going to have a good attitude, Clem, I will. No, we want to have the same spirit. But you don't know how things are. You don't know what we've been through. You know what my life's been like? I mean, talk about giants. I've had a lot of giants. And talk about grasshoppers. I feel like a bug. You've got to see the bigger picture. That's why vision is important. That's why you've you got to keep gathering together. This pulpit is the steering wheel of your life as a spiritual Christian. Every believer needs a pastor and a shepherd to steer them in the direction God's taken them. And we need it. Why? Because six days a week, all you get is the 10 spies report. Or your 10 news feeds or whatever you're listening to. It's 10 times what you really need. <laughs> and you only get about 2% or 20%. You know, based on, so it's like, you know what? We need to come together and get revision for the mission. That's what, happened to hap- that's what had to happen right here. You don't get caught up in what you don't have. That's what happened to the children of Israel. You can't walk into the promised land focused on what you don't have. You got to keep saying... I want to put my eyes on what God's going to give me. What's God giving you? You just did a whole series on gifts. Come on, somebody. You're gifted people. You're you're the most gifted people in the whole community. Not comparing you to other Christians. I'm saying, based to a non-believer, you have the gifts of God in you. And they're not for you. They're to be given away. Dads, hope you get a Father's Day gift, right? Gifts are to be given away. And so here's this focus on not what I don't have. Focus on, we can do this. We can come together this summer, we can rally the troops, and we're going to go into the fall charging. Yes, you'll probably, will have to, I'm just looking around right now, you're probably going to have to go back to two services in the fall, because people are hungry for reality, they're hungry for something. Give me a promised land. Where are you guys going? We're going to the promised land. What is it? Come find out. Come find out, right? God is with you. So the aligning of the attitude of the team is so important. Here's my question for all y'all this morning. I'm not looking at anybody, but inside be saying, so, Father, how's my attitude? Let the Holy Spirit just tap your heart a little bit this morning. Check your attitude.
which leads to the third lesson that they had to learn right out of numbers. The lesson of addressing our anger. I have seen more manifestations of anger in the last couple of years around the world and in my own house and in family. I mean, the enemy is on the move. The enemy's stirring things and he only has one weapon, your flesh. That's why it's like, I can't wait to get out of this earth suit. But our flesh is his only touch. The only way he can find reality to expressing all of his nastiness is in our flesh. And so <clears throat> watch what happens. Watch what happens to Moses' flesh. Here's the great Poobah, the great leader Moses, whose spirit God put on him. And he, but then watch what happens in Numbers 20. Gives us one more lesson. Watch. So Moses and Aaron went from the presence of the assembly to the door of the tabernacle of meeting, and they fell on their faces. Good, good so far. And the glory of the Lord appeared. Woohoo! That's the kind of service we want on Mount Helena. Woo! Get on our face. Glory of God. Heavy presence. Woohoo! High octane voltage and prophecy and all that. And the glory of the Lord appeared. And then the Lord said to Moses, Take your rod, you and your brother Aaron, gather the congregation together, speak to the rock, speak to the rock before their eyes, and it will yield its water. Why? People are thirsty. Guys, there's a thirst. There's a thirst in the earth. People are thirsty for reality. They're so tired of nonsense. They're so tired of fake news. They're so tired. People want truth. They want water. We got to give them water, but you got to do it God's way. Speak to the rock, he said. Speak to it. And it will yield its water. Thus you shall bring water for them out of the rock and give drink to the congregation and their animals. Come on, you're animal people up here. Isn't that so cool? God says, I'm concerned about your horse and your dog and the cattle and the elk. The elk keeps coming back. Anyway, so, so they did it, right? So Moses took the rod from before the Lord as he commanded him. And Moses and Aaron gathered the assembly together before the rock. And he said to them, here now, you rebels. It's like a great way to start your sermon. Yeah, come on. Gee, I was getting excited up here. Here now, you rebels, must we bring water for you out of this rock? And then Moses lifted his hand. Uh-oh. And he struck the rod twice, or struck the rock twice with his rod. And the water still came out abundantly. And the congregation, the animals drank. Needs met because God wants to meet your need. In spite of knucklehead leaders sometimes, he said, Oh boy, Moses, I'm going to deal with you later, boy. Then the Lord spoke to Moses and Aaron, Because you did not believe me. See, there's one thing, I want to hear a word from God. Yeah, but will you believe what he says? Will you do what he says? Because you did not believe me to hallow me in the eyes of the children of Israel, therefore you shall not bring this assembly into the land which I've given them. Moses didn't manage his soul in the transition. And it came out in a form of anger. He was angry at the people. And Moses didn't get to bring the children of Israel into the promised land because of his anger. God says, you can look at, you can look at the promised land, but you can't go in. His anger cost him a place on the team. I've seen that in sports. Some kid just throws a fit. It's like, out. We professionals, millionaires, they get millions of dollars to play a boys game. And they go out and then they throw a hissy fit and they get kicked out of a game. It's like, you're still a little boy inside. You... Selfish millionaire. <laughs> Have a nice day. Anger can cost you your place on the team. Let's remember something. We don't own the team. 
JR doesn't own the team. The elders don't own the team. We don't own the team. <laughs> We're given a position on the team. We play by the coach's rules. So, three quick. I close with this. I got two minutes. I'll take three. Can I have three? It's Father's Day. Here's my your gift to me. Time. Thank you. I'll just take it off of Jr's message next week. Okay. So, what do we learn from Moses? What can we learn from Dad, Father Moses, Father of a nation, Father of a family? He's Dad, but he's he's a real Dad. He's a dad like all of us guys. Come on, we make mistakes, we get angry, we have flesh. Ah, our hearts watch. Number one, instead of leading at this conjuncture, instead of leading out of the transition, he reacted. Don't react, it's so easy to react. Why? We have kids. I mean, so we, have, we have family. It's easy to react. They have flesh, we have flesh. In our friendships, in the church, in our businesses, we end up reacting. We react to a Facebook post of people we don't even know. We'll never meet in our whole life. We react. We just react, right? I think he was a little tired. He was a little weary. It's at the end of the transition. They're coming out of the... the, They're about to go into the... See, they're about to go into the promised land. We're thirsty. We need some water. We need... Okay. Hits the rock out of anger. He's frustrated. Can I tell you something? Some of you guys know this about oil, but a friend explained it to me when they're drilling oil. Right before they hit it, it's the greatest pressure. It's like they're, they're digging, 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 digging. They get down right before they hit it. The pressure is the greatest right before you hit oil. Right? And right before you get into the promised land, there's pressure. And I'm telling you that Moses was weary from the pressure. I keep praying for your leaders. There's pressure all around the world right now. There's pressure on politicians. There's pressure on leaders and church. There's pressure on businessmen. There's pressure everywhere, folks. Don't react. He made a decision that cost him. God said, speak to the rock. He says, no, I'm mad. I'm going to hit it. I got to hit something. (laughs) It's something. Sometimes it's too easy to listen to the people and not listen to God. I'm not looking at anybody. I'm looking at me. (laughs) We all get swayed. But even dads, you got to get with God. Say, honey, I hear your need. Kids, I hear your need. I got to get with God. God always answers a need with leadership. We have needs in the body of Christ. You have needs in your family. How does God answer our prayers? God, I need this. I have needs. He sends a leader. See, the children of Israel had a need. They were in bondage. They were in slavery. They've been trapped for 400 years. God, get us out of here. Their cry went up. And God says, and now I've heard their cry. I'm coming down. I love that phrase in Exodus. I'm coming down. Did God actually physically come down? No. He gave him a leader. His name was Moses. God always answers a need in your life with a leader. And here, it's like our children. We listen to their perspective. We listen to their need. But dad and mom, you're the parents, right? People needed water. Ah, we need water. It's not we don't respond to the needs of the people, right? But we're led by God on how to meet the need. We don't react I don't know how many times you've had someone come up to you and say, no, no, this is what we really need about Helena. Or this is what we need in our business. How many times they say, you know what we really need? When they use the word really, that's just a superlative that makes it really important. This is what we really need. You know what you really need to read? Here's a good book. You really need to read it. We really, really, really. Well, you know, sometimes we have to ask ourselves, 
Am I going to be proactive when the need comes or reactive? To be proactive is <laughs> drop to your knees and say, God, what do you want? How do I meet the needs of my family? How do I meet the needs of the people? God's into that. Don't react. Pray. Second thing we learn from Moses is Moses presumed that what worked before would work again. And we're all trapped in that right now. <laughs> Pastors are going through it, church leaders, even business people are like, ah, pre-COVID. I love the word pre-COVID, don't you know? How you doing? Well, pre-COVID. We always reference pre-COVID. Well, this is the way it used to be. It used to be so great. How many in your church now? Well, pre-COVID. He struck the rock in Exodus 17. And it worked. That's why he thought if he struck it again, it would work again. Except his attitude was wrong. And God didn't tell him to strike the rock again. He could speak to the rock. Sometimes our faith is in a familiar method. And not in the voice of God. God is current. God's out ahead of this, folks. God's out ahead of this. He's not standing next to us going, I don't know, what should we do? Let's have a prayer meeting. I don't know. God's out ahead of us. We want to follow him. And so the third thing is this. And this is for every soul, man, woman, or child, dads, leaders. Don't let your soul get unhealthy. In transition, it's a vulnerable time. There's pressure. Don't let your soul get unhealthy. You moms and you kids, love on your dads today and make sure their soul's doing good. They should end the day going, my soul is happy. <laughs> but not just happy, healthy. You have a responsibility to steward your own soul. Particularly in a transition. Because opposition will come and it will get at you. It will try to deplete you. And you know what? I just, again, I applaud your elders taking care of this guy and his family when you put him on sabbatical, I told JR the other day, I'm just going to say it. Am I allowed to? Okay. I said, thank God you had that sabbatical. I don't think you would have made it this far. <laughs> I'm just being honest. Like, kind of we knew, God knew ahead. He said, this guy needs a break. He needs a rest. And well done. You gave him the summer off. He's back. And it's been a tough year. It's been tough. There's been opposition. There's been voices. There's all been kinds of things. But you know what? Your leaders, <laughs> they kept their soul healthy. And Mark Spencer was here, a friend of mine. I've known Mark 30-some years. Mark's coaching these guys. He's helping them behind the scenes. You know what? Sometimes you don't realize what's going on behind the scenes, how the elders and the, the leaders are working to stay healthy for you. And dads, stay healthy for your family. Proverbs chapter 4, verse 23. You know it well. You can probably quote it, but let's close with it. And then I'm going to pray. Keep your heart with all diligence. Keep it. Guard it. That's that word, guard. Watch over it. Because out of it spring all the issues of life. What's getting into your heart right now? What's getting into your soul? What's getting under your skin? Don't you like that one? Is there anger? Is there fear? You know, lots of time anger comes out of fear. Fear of not being able to keep up. Fear of not being able to meet a need. See, Moses was afraid he couldn't meet the needs of the people. The demand was so strong. And so out of fear, he struck the rock. Anger is often just a response to fear. So watch your anger. Watch your responses. And ask the question this morning. Bow your heads right now. I want to pray. Bow your heads right now. Everybody in the house. This is not just for fathers. This is for everybody that comes from a father. That's y'all. How's my heart? God, how's my heart? Where's my soul health right now? Am I angry? 
Why am I angry? How's the culture of our church? What is the culture? Do I really know what the culture is? What are the values? What are the practices? How's my attitude? Keep checking. It's like the dashboard on your car. Keep checking the engine light. Keep checking the fuel gauge. Keep checking the pressure. Keep, keep health checks going all through the summer. Don't just relax this summer and say, oh, summer we can just relax and not be so spiritual. Every time you gather, you're spiritual. This is a spiritual day. I'm proud of you. You're together. You're recharging. Because God is taking you somewhere. God's taking us to his promised land for you. There's souls to be won, lives to be changed, people to be reached. Father, we thank you for your help. Our help comes from the Lord in Jesus' name. I'd like the elders and their wives just to come up here and stand right in front here. We're going to pray for them. I'm going to pray the way Moses petitioned the Lord. Come on, JR and Janny. I think she's in the back. She's coming. I know that Corey is still overseas. We're going to pray. Julie, are you here? Yeah, Julie's here. I saw her. Come on. I know um, Jeff's ministering to youth this morning. At home plate. Hi, Rebecca. What God did for Moses, he wants to do and refresh today. We're going to recharge your leaders, okay? He took the spirit and put it on Moses, and then he put it on the elders. And they're going to put it on you. I didn't ask you to do this, JR, but I'm going to pray for this team. And then JR, somebody get JR a microphone. I want you, on behalf of the elders, to pray for the house. Come on, everybody. I want you to receive now. This is the time to receive. I preached. We laughed. We've been convicted. Okay, that's all done. Now we want to receive from God His Spirit. So, Father, we come in Jesus' name. And just like the example you give us in Scripture, Father, we come. And I'm asking you, Father, right now, pour out and recharge from your Holy Spirit upon this team. The Spirit you put upon Moses, the Spirit you put upon J.R. and Janney, that Spirit, put it, continue to flow over this team. Over Tyler and Leslie. The spirit of this house and the spirit of God. Be imparted so they can continue. Even though they take a little break, they're going to continue to bear the burdens of this house. God, we thank you for Jeff and Hillary. That God, you would just pour out your spirit as they carry the burdens of people and marriages for this house. We thank you for Jason and Rebecca. Lord, how they carry the heart of the next generation in a powerful way. God, may they raise up mighty leaders in the days ahead carry the spirit of this house. We thank you, Lord, for our dear brother Corey, who's in another nation, in another world, and God, fighting for our freedom. God, we bless Corey and Julie and their family in this special season that they're in. You just pour out your spirit upon him. And God, we thank you for your set man and set woman. Father, thank you that that spirit that comes from God to put upon a leader. It's always your answer. God, we have a need. God says, I'm going to give you leaders. They will meet your needs. Give that heart of obedience over J.R. and Jenny, over their family. Let it flow down over this house in a powerful way. May this truly be a summer where we recharge by the Spirit of the living God. In Jesus' name. And now stand with me. We're going to have J.R. pray for you. Come on, stay in a receiving mode. Stay in a receiving mode as J.R. comes up and prays and closes us out. Yes, thank you, Lord. God, I pray for this congregation. I pray for this family of ours. God, that you would pour out your spirit upon everyone. 
God, to see that there are promises, that there's more. There's more ground to take. There's more territory. There's more ministry adventures. There's more people to reach and lives to bring your powerful transformation to. God, and I pray for that culture that Clem spoke about, the culture of our church. Lord, that it would be one that reflects your heart for the world. Lord, your, your solution to take this gospel to the world is the church. And God, I pray that your spirit would rest upon this family, our family. Lord, with an inspiration and a motivation to reach out for what's more, what's next, what you have in store for us as a church. God, I pray you would motivate the mission. Lord, that you would be speaking to each one. God, that every one of us would sense your presence and your voice in our lives, leading us to be the people you've called us to be. And God, I pray that your spirit would rest on each one. Lord, that there would be glimpses of the value of what you have in store. Just little inspirational moments for each one of us. God, I thank you for this time today and for this blessing. God, I pray that as each one goes about their week, Lord, that you'd be reminding us of your deposit in us today by the power of your spirit. In Jesus' name, amen.